Good morning, everyone. If you can turn with me to our passage today, which is going to be Acts chapter 5, as we are moving our way through the book. Acts chapter 5, and we are going to be looking at verses 17 through 42 today. But before I begin, I want to thank Jeff for something that he didn't do and something that he did do. <laughs> what he didn't do was assign me last week's passage, which I'm really thankful for that. Didn't he do an amazing job last week and just taking probably one of the most difficult passages of Scripture and just flooded it with grace and mercy, but also with conviction. I mean, just a sense of how we are all called to live holy lives, every single one of us. What Jeff did do was he assigned me this week's passage, and without knowing it, he probably didn't realize that he assigned me a passage that contains within it a subject and an area of scripture that is very dear to my heart. So thank you. And just to give you a taste of that is a quote that Jeff said last week that really applies to what I want to talk with us about today. Jeff said that scripture is to be read not just for information that it gives us, but for what it does to us. And my hope and prayer today is the scripture will do something to all of us today. And so I want to start with a question. Have you ever had your life uprooted? Have you ever had your life uprooted in any way? It may have been that you had a job that you've had for years, maybe even decades. And for some reason you lost that job. It might be a long-term relationship that you have with someone that you're really close to. And that relationship came to an end. It might have been that you moved. Maybe you moved from one city to another or maybe one state to another. But whatever our lives are uprooted, we have to start over. We have to start over by laying down new roots in that area if we're going to continue to keep going and to keep growing. Well, something like that, very similar, happens when we become Christians. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God takes our life, our life that was once in the world, that was once rooted in the world, that the Bible says only leads to death, and he pulls us up out of that, uproots us, but then what he does is he transplants us with a new life in Christ. So the life that we once had is now a new life that we have within Christ. We're no longer to walk in the ways of this world. We're now to walk in the ways of Christ. The passage in Colossians speaks to this. Colossians 2, 6-7, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. But in order for us to keep walking in Christ and stay rooted in him, we also have to keep growing in him. A lot of times as Christians, as we get older in our life in Christ, we can end up getting stunted in that growth in Christ. We can get stuck in our faith. It might be because of troubles that have come along in our life. It might be just the pressures of life. But for whatever reason, we, our faith just ends up drying up. We no longer feel close to God. We no longer see the change that we so long for in our life. 
But today we are going to look at not only how to keep our faith going, but how to keep our faith growing. So before I read our passage, let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this just beautiful day that you have given to us. Another day to worship you in song. We just thank you for the wonderful, beautiful music that we've had. And Father, today as we are gathered here, as we open up your word, speak to each one of us personally, Lord. Meet us where we're at. May your spirit fall mightily upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's take a look um, at our passage today. Acts again, chapter 5. If you are using the Pew Bible, it can be found on page 913. And I want to begin with verses 17 through 21. Acts chapter 5, 17 through 21. So it says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with them, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. You know, whenever you have a passage that begins with the word but, it's always a good idea to know what it's talking about, and you always have to go back before. So we go back a little bit into the passage that Jeff spoke on last week, and I want to just point out verse 14, where it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. I love that term. Can you just imagine what was happening back then? Multitudes. And earlier in Acts, it talks about thousands came to Christ in one day, and it's still continuing. Multitudes of people are coming to Christ. Along with that, many, many people were being healed. Well, there was a sect of the Jewish people of leaders called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection, period. Let alone, they did not believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. They saw him crucified, but they did not believe that he rose from the dead. They did not believe that he was king of the Jews. They did not believe that he was Lord of all. They did not believe he was the son of God. And so what do they do? They want to stop what is going on. And to stop them, they take the apostles and they put them into jail. But lo and behold, our God had a different plan, which he often does in our lives. He surprises us. And that's exactly what he does here. He doesn't even let the apostles stay in jail even for a whole night. Before daybreak, he releases them from jail and tells them to go out and talk to the people. Notice what he says. So the angel of the Lord. Now, when you see the term angel of the Lord in Scripture, you'll see that in Old Testament. You'll see that in New Testament. Usually it represents an actual physical type manifestation of God's presence himself with the people he's talking to. So this, you can think of this, this is God speaking to the apostles. And they say, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple. And what did they end up doing? At daybreak, they began to teach. Why did God release them from jail, the apostles? Because he had a task for them. He wanted them to go and teach the people. We just talked about how multitudes, thousands of people were coming to Christ. But now that they've come to Christ, they have to grow in Christ. 
They have to get rooted in Christ. They've been transplanted in Christ, but now they have to grow in Christ. And so how does that happen? It happens through teaching. And in fact, in Scripture, teaching is a central foundational way all of us grow in Christ. In Colossians 1.28, it says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, and what? Teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The purpose of teaching, biblical teaching, is to mature us, to grow us in Christ. We can find teaching throughout Scripture, but if you particularly look at Jesus' ministry, if you look at the four Gospels, it is just filled with Jesus' teaching. Over and over again, he's not just preaching, but he's teaching the people. He's teaching them how to follow him how to follow him as a new Lord and Savior. In the book of Acts that we're in right now, the very beginning, the very first sentence of the book of Acts, Luke begins by telling us about teaching. He says in one one of Acts, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's how he opens the book of Acts, and he closes the book of Acts with teaching, where, he, where Paul, he says, goes out, very last verse, it says, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. In our passage we're looking at today, the word teach occurs more concentrated than it does in any place else in Acts. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to take a look at how teaching can help us to revitalize our faith. How can it help us to grow in Christ? And we're going to be looking at that as we walk through our passage today. So the first thing I want us to look at about teaching as we look at our passage is that teaching is not about learning a subject. That is what most of us are experienced with teaching in school, however long it's been for some of you. It's been a long time for me. Teaching is usually we think of a teacher up there who's talking to us, and they have all the knowledge, and they're imparting all the knowledge to us, and we're learning something about a subject. That's what we usually think of with teaching scriptural teaching, teaching that we see that the apostles are doing here, teaching in scripture that grows us in Christ is much different than that, much more than that. We might learn something, but it's not about learning a subject. Teaching in Christ that we're going to see here is about encountering the actual presence and person of Christ in our lives. It's the encounter with God that teaching is about first and foremost, not about some subject that's going on. So, for example, if you take a look at the command that the angel of the Lord gives in verse 20 to the apostles, notice what the angel of the Lord says. He says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people. He doesn't say now speak to the people about everything about God. No, he says speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, this life is Christ Jesus himself. But he's saying, I want you to now go speak the actual words of Christ to these people. That is how you're going to teach them. And as those people who were filled with the Spirit, because they had come to the Lord, as they were hearing those words from the apostles, they were encountering the presence of Christ right there at that time. Christ was present through his Spirit in them, and through his words that the apostles were speaking. In John 6.63, Jesus says, and I love this passage, he says, the Spirit is who gives us life. 
And he says then, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. When we are reading and we are hearing these words of God, they are spirit and life to us. Back in that day, it was the apostles speaking those words to the people, and through the spirit, God was present with them. For us today, we don't have the apostles with us. For us today, we have this. The angel says, speak all the words. In essence, for us today, all the words mean the complete Old Testament and New Testament. So when we read this word, it's not about learning the subject about the Bible or learning a whole lot about God. We'll do that. Ultimately, when these words are being read by us, because of the Spirit in us, we are encountering God himself. That is how God primarily speaks to us. In fact, if you look at Hebrews 4.12 again, famous passage, a lot of you have heard over and over again about this, where it says, the word of God is living and active. Once again, when the word and the spirit come together, the presence of Christ is among us. As you go to your Bible and you read it, do you think about that? Do you think about how as I'm reading this, God is speaking to me? Well, he is because he's given us those words and his spirit to be present with us. One of the mistakes that we often make in this regard is the same mistake that Eve made a long, long time ago. Think about what Eve did back in the Garden of Eden. She was approached by a serpent. And as strange as that is, she was approached by a serpent, which we know represented Satan. She was approached by the serpent, and what did the serpent say to Eve? He said, what did God really say? What did God really say? Now, what does Eve do? She gets in a debate with the serpent. They go back and forth, arguing about what God really said. What should have Eve done at that point? Eve should have gone and found out what God really said by going to God himself. In the Garden of Eden, we read just a few verses later, is God is actually present with Adam and Eve in the Garden. He's right there. All she had to do was turn around and go and ask God, what did you really say? But she doesn't. She gets in an argument about what God said, and that leads into sin. Now, just in case us men think that we're out, you know, weren't part of that process of what happened, well... Go back and look today at Genesis 2 and 3. Where was the man? Where was Adam in this process? He was right there with Eve this entire time. And what was he doing? Saying nothing. He didn't say a word. He just let it all happen. He was just silent. But what Adam and Eve could have done is simply gone and been in the presence of God and asked God, what did he really say? And now we do that a lot. There's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of good people who teach us a lot of great things about Christ and about the word of God. But what you have to be careful of is you have to make sure that you yourself firsthand go to this word yourself. You yourself enter the presence of God and have him be with us as you read it yourself. Don't just read about what everybody says about God or what everybody else says about scriptures. You need to go to it firsthand, all of us do, because as we do again, that is the way God has given us to be present with him. If we want to feel and experience the presence of God, just like with a person, if I want to know Jeff, 
I have to first of all be here with Jeff. But I'm not going to get to know Jeff unless we start talking with each other. It's the same thing. God wants us to be present with him, which we have in the Spirit, and then he wants us to hear from him, which is through this word. So the very first thing about teaching for all of us is that teaching is to bring us to the actual presence of Christ. And he does that through this word and the Spirit. The second thing I want us to look at is how teaching doesn't just bring us to the presence of Christ, but it is to build us up. It's to grow us. Remember I said we need to keep growing in Christ to stay rooted in him. That is the purpose also of scripture and of teaching is to build us up in Christ. So take a look at verses 27 through 28 of our passage. And I want you to notice, um, so what has happened is the apostles have been freed from jail by the angel of the Lord. They go out and they do exactly what God tells them to do, which is to start teaching the people. Well, the Sadducees find this out. They don't know how in the half the apostles got freed. And they don't want to cause a big uproar, but they want to stop what the apostles are doing. So they quietly go to the apostles and say, hey, can you come over to our council? We're having, we want to just talk to you a little bit, okay? And this is what the council says to them. The high priest questioned them in verse 27 and says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. What were the Sadducees afraid of here? Notice, first of all, that the apostles are doing a great job because they are what? The teaching is filling up the entire city of Jerusalem. But what, what are, the, what are the, uh, the Sadducees ultimately afraid of? They're afraid that the people, that the words that they're hearing are not just words that are going to go in one ear and out the other. They're afraid that those words those people are hearing from the apostles, those words of God are going to change the people. This is going to cause them to change, and of course they're being selfish here, to turn away from what the Sadducees believe and turn away from their lordship and turn instead to following Jesus instead of following them. But ultimately, what they're afraid of and why they're trying to stop the people is we don't want you that those words you're hearing, we don't want them to change you. Well, it's the same thing for us. We can hear these words, but do they change us? We can encounter God and see what he says, but does it change us? What is it that's the difference between just hearing these words, reading these words, and having those words change us in our life, building up our life, growing us in Christ, becoming obedient to Christ. How do we move from hearing to obeying and having this word and God change our life? Well, there is a passage of the Old Testament that is quoted around this exact subject frequently in the New Testament. It's quoted by Jesus three times in the Gospels. It's quoted by Paul in the book of Romans, and it's also quoted as the very last words that the Apostle Paul says in the book of Acts. And I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to go to the end of Acts. I want to read to you what that passage is. So this is from the Old Testament. It's Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And again, this exact passage was quoted by Jesus. 
has been quoted by Paul, and it's the last words that Paul is going to say to close out the book of Acts. Beginning at 25, it says, And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. And this is what Paul said. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. When Jesus quoted this passage of Isaiah, he did so when he was telling the people the parable of the sower that was found in Matthew 13 and also in the other Gospels. Jesus uses this passage to tell the people, this is the problem. You're hearing this word, but you're not doing anything with it. Jesus tells the parable and uses metaphors, as he often does, because it relates to what people are doing in their actual lives and the work they're doing. And in this parable, this parable of the sower, the seed represents God's word. And what happens is, is the seed of God's word falls onto people And there's four different ways the people respond. In the four different ways they respond, all four of them, all four of them heard the word. They heard the word preached to them or taught to them. But of those four who hear it, only the last one does something with that word that produces a crop. Only the last one has their lives changed because of what they did with the word. The other three do not. What is it that that last person did that changed their lives? Well, it's found right here in the quote of Isaiah that Jesus talks about. And what Jesus says is about that that person is they take the word and they don't just hear it, but they understand it. They understand it. Then they obey it and produce a crop. But the key is, besides just hearing the word of God, we have to not just hear it, we have to understand it. We have to know what God is saying to us. But now this understanding is a little bit different than just getting a bunch of knowledge again about the Bible. This understanding is relational. It's about really understanding what God is trying to tell you. And so to give you an example of that, my wife Michelle You know, if we're talking and she's got something she wants to say to me that's really important and she wants me to really understand what's going on inside of her, as she's telling me that, I can be a really, you know, I can be the good husband, all right? And I can be, I can listen to what she's saying. I can listen to the words that she's telling me. I can even be a really good listener. I mean, I can be looking at her in her eyes and I can be nodding And I can even be that active listener that says back, well, is this what you said, honey? Okay. And I can be, and I know this never happens to any of you, right? But I can be very attentive. I can be hearing those words. But what ultimately does Michelle want me to do? She wants me to understand her. Her. She wants me, as we would say, get it. She wants me to get her. Okay? It's a relational. She wants me to know what is going on really in her heart and mind. 
That is the same type of understanding Jesus is talking about here that will transform us from just being hearers of the word to being doers of the word. In fact, in Isaiah, that we just read, if you heard it, in Isaiah, when it talked about understanding, it wasn't talking about a bunch of knowledge. It wasn't talking about understanding up here in our head. It was talking about that understanding happens here in our heart. And that's because it's a relational thing with God. God wants us to take his word. He doesn't want us to just hear it. He wants us to wrestle with it. He wants us to ask questions about it. He wants us to study it. You know, it's like if you love someone, that's, think about the difference. If you love someone, you study them. You really want to know everything about them. That's the same thing God wants us to do when we study Scripture. Not just a bunch of head knowledge, I look how much I know about God, but that I really know God. That is what understanding is, and that's what, that's what God desires for us, to build and to grow with our life in Christ, is he wants us to encounter him through the word. He wants us to understand his heart. And then when we do that, you know, I think all of us know, when you finally get something, when you get it for yourself, not because someone told you, but when you get it yourself, what does it do? That's when it changes you. That's when you go out and obey God. Because you go, now I get it, God. Now I knew, know what you've been trying to tell me. Now I know how much you really love me. I'm going to go do what you said. So our second point is, in teaching, it should build us up in Christ as we struggle and we wrestle to understand God and understand his word. And the last thing, then, is really the follow-on that Jesus talks about in this parable. That not only do you obey the word, but that word produces fruit in your life. So teaching is not just about bringing us to Christ, not just about building us up in Christ, but teaching is about bearing fruit in our life. And I want you to look at how that's happening here in our passage. So if you take a look um, at Acts chapter 5 again, I want to take a look at the response of Peter and the apostles to what we just looked at from the Sadducees and the high priest. In verse 29, after they charged them with saying, don't teach, Peter and the apostles answer, it says in 29, we must, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Notice what the apostles are obeying here. Well, first of all, they're obeying God and how? Because they're going out and doing exactly what God said, which is to go teach all the people. But another way they're obeying God is what you see in verse 32. It says, we are witnesses to these things. Remember that Jesus at the beginning of Acts said you were to go out and be witnesses to all Jerusalem, Judea, and to the rest of the world. In essence, that's what we today call the Great Commission, that we're to go all and make disciples of all nations. And that Jesus gave us that command, all of us that command, in Matthew 28. And I want us to close, and if you can look there yourself, I want us to close at Matthew 28, and it's on page 835 in your pew Bible. But I want to just close by looking at what that Great Commission says. 
So Matthew 28, and let me just read, I'm going to read uh, verses 16 through the end, 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on earth and heaven has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. The apostles were reading about an Acts of the same apostles that were here, getting this command. This command given by Jesus was originally given to them, but that command now is given to every Christian, every follower of Christ. This command, this great commission, is something for all of us to do not just leaders in a church, is for everyone to do. And notice what everyone is to do. We're all to go out and make disciples. But how are we to do that? Look at verse 20. We're to do that by teaching others or teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So how do we bear fruit in our lives? Well, look at this command. We're not to just read and hear the word not just to build it up in our own lives and get, and get close to Christ, but we are to then, each of us are given the command by Jesus to go and teach that to others. In Scripture, there's a distinction that's made. There's a distinction that's made between teaching, teaching in the sense of what we're talking about here for everyone, and then there is also the gift of a teacher. And Scripture makes a distinction. Only some are called to the gift of a teacher, but here, you can see everyone's called to teaching. Those who are called to be a teacher, James gives a really good warning about that for all who teach. It says, James in 3.1, Not many of you should be, become teachers, but for you know that who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So there's a gift of being a teacher, but there's a command for all of us to teach to help others obey Christ. You can see this gift of teaching right here in our church. We have people like Pastor Toby, who teaches all of our kids, does a phenomenal job of doing exactly what we're talking about today, getting them into God's word and building them up in Christ. We have Pastor Sam, who is doing the exact same thing with all of our youth. And we have people like Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jay, who teach us on Sundays. The gift of teaching is something God gifts certain people with, but he's given every one of us the command to go out and teach, help others obey Christ. So as my last point, last thing I want to bring out about that is, if I was to say there's one secret I've learned in 30 years of being a Christian and teaching the Bible for many years through that, is I'm going to call it the secret of the Christian life, but it's not a secret because it's right here in Scripture, is that when you not just read the Bible for yourself, when you not only grow in Christ through understanding it, but when you go out and you help others and teach others to obey Christ along with you, you get like a double portion, I'm going to say, of not only obeying God, but a double portion of that growth, of that blessing from God. Why? Because think about it. The first portion is you're doing it yourself. You're doing what God said. Read his word and understand it and obey him. But the second portion is when I do that and then I go and I help others to do exactly the same thing. And teaching is not as hard as it sounds. 
doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter how much you think you know about the Bible. All of us can go and read something, understand it, and then say, hey, Gary, look at what I just found in Scripture and take Gary to Scripture and help him understand it and help him obey God with it. It's a call to all of us. And it's interesting that Jesus in Matthew 5, 19, he says something which I'm going to say is sort of this double portion in action. Matthew 5, 19, again, addressing everyone, he says about who are those who are great in the kingdom of God. And he says, whoever practices, does what we talked about, whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever both practices and teaches these will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Nowhere else does Jesus ever say someone will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because again, we're fulfilling that great commission by not just reading the word and understanding it and obeying it ourselves, but by going out and teaching others to do the same. And when we do that, we will see what we see at the end of Acts here. We'll see that come to fruition. In Acts 5, 42, the last passage of our section we're looking at today, and think about this happening within our church. It says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they, and I'm thinking all of us, did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. All of us involved in doing that. Imagine what that would look like if all of us were helping each other. And a lot of that's happening right now in this church. But imagine what it would be if every one of us were involved in that great commission in helping each other to obey Christ. And so I want to end with a passage as our benediction today, which is taking off of what Jeff gave us a benediction last week. I want to take a portion of that, and this is what it says in Colossians 3.16. Again, addressed to the entire church. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Amen. I'd like to have all of you stand, and as I do so, I want to invite our prayer team down. And if any of you, if any of you would like to have prayer, if you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, we would love to talk with you more about that. So we have prayer people coming down here. They will pray for you, talk with you. So if anybody who's any of our um, people, our counselors for prayer, come on down. And let me go ahead and close in prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. This day that you have given to us, we thank you that you are our Lord and Savior, that we can actually meet you personally today, that you're a God who loves us so much you want to be with us. And we thank you, Lord, for your spirit that is among us, Lord, the spirit that lives in us. We thank you for the word you've given us so we can know you and we can love you, Lord, and we can obey you. Change us today. Change our heart. Change our mind. Change our actions, Lord. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.